AFR On Demand is brought to you by Breck Golf. Try Beaver Creek today, just 20 minutes from downtown Baton Rouge in the Zachary area. They've got a PGA Tour driving range, a short game practice area, 30 to 40-yard practice shots. It's a great place to chip and putt and practice if you don't have time for a full round. Book your tee time today, golf.breck.org, golf.breck.org. Matt Moscona. I'm very important. After further review. Say one more time. After further review with Matt Moscona. And here we go. ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. <laughs> Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. After further review, our weekly talk with Mike Detillier is brought to you by the one and only New Orleans original, Cesarac Rye Whiskey. I'm Mike D and I get respect. Well, it's don't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Hour two, off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. AFR presented by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anthe Agent Clinics of Louisiana. I'm Matt. I appreciate it, bud. Have mm-hmm. a good one. Paul O'Neill. They're chanting Paul O'Neill's name. And I'm fixing to introduce Musso. Vixen. Did you graduate in journalism, Musso? Yeah, broadcast. Oh. The Tigers are fixing to be on the clock. They are. Might be on there yeah. now. They're getting ready to be on the clock. They're about to be on the clock. They're not fixing to be on the clock. Come on, Musso. You're better than that. I think you're better than that, yeah? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Mike D's with us. SaintsReport.com. MikeDetillier.com. Part of the Saints News Network over at SI.com. He's everywhere, and every Thursday, he's here with us. Mike D., how are you, man? I'm good, but I ain't fixing to do that either. <laughs> no, I can say it. I can, I can say it and get, get away with it. <laughs> Mike, you can say whatever you want, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mike, I want to start um, with some NFL news. Al, uh, Dalvin Cook earlier this week announced that, that he's going to hold out. And obviously, last year, there were two high-profile running backs that held out with very different results, right? Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. So, the Dalvin Cook news, how or does that impact Alvin Kamara at all? Well, I think everybody's waiting on what I think is the biggest piece of the puzzle, Derrick Henry. Okay. Uh, John Robinson has made it known that they are trying to work on a long-term deal for Derrick Henry. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I wrote this in an article that I talked to an AFC general manager, and he told me, listen, I I would never really tell you this for any other position, but I don't think anybody's going to top Christian McCaffrey's deal. He said it doesn't matter if it's Henry or Cook or Kamara. I I don't think any of those players are going to top McCaffrey. He said normally when a guy gets to that Mount Everest mm-hmm. money level, he, he lasts there two weeks and somebody else goes a little bit higher than him. He said, I'm, I'm not real sure you can say that when you look at the McCaffrey deal and the fact that just the devaluation of the running back position itself throughout the years. And you just look at it in the draft. How many running backs went in round one? None. No. Oh, Clyde. Oh, Clyde, 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 Clyde. <laughs> so, you know. I'm going to hear that from the Catholic high people. 
Oh, Matt, that was a swing and a miss on the bench, I'm, on the bench. Mike, I'm fixing to be in trouble, man. Hey, you, not fixing, you are in trouble. In trouble. Uh, so I, I get it, and, and he brought up a number to me. He said, I, I think it'll fall, and he said, I, I said, I'm just guessing here. He said, I think it'll fall in the Le'Veon Bell-type numbers which is like 13, 13 and a half million. He said, that's where I think you will see that part with Kamara hmm. and also with Dalvin Cook in that range. Okay. Uh, now, when I asked him about Henry, he was like, oh, I'm not real sure. He said, it, it may eclipse that. So he said, you know, who becomes the first of the guys to sign? But, you know, his feeling was, and, and I agree with it, that the Titans are looking to try to get Derek on a long-term deal. And I think that, Matt, is going to be a bigger precedent than what Dalvin Cook gets. Hmm. Because now you're chasing, so to speak, the Derek Henry number at, at this stage. And if you look at it over the last couple of years, you, you see the production, certainly with McCaffrey, his ability to not only run the football but catch it coming out of the backfield – Henry is a man out there on that football field as a runner. They haven't used him a lot as a receiver. Now, he can catch the ball pretty well, but their offense wasn't built around it like you see Minnesota trying to get Cook more involved in the passing game, which Sean Payton has done with Alvin Kamara and getting him the football out in the flat. And legitimately, you can make a pretty, uh, the argument other than Michael Thomas, who's the most dependable guy? It's Kamara. It's Camaro. So, he, you know, this thing about, well, he's going to take a discount deal, $10 million. Man, I, I ain't taking no $10 million. It ain't coming to that point. Okay. And I, I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, $10, $11 million, look what he's making now. Yeah, I get it, but it's, it's not the market value at this point when you look at the numbers of Ezekiel Elliott and you look at McCaffrey. Now, he, they may not top that. But it's going to be right under that. And I, I do think what the GM told me, I think it's correct. Somewhere in that 13 to $13.5 million is where it's going to fall for both Cook and also Alvin. When you look at it average-wise, and not of the last year either, because that's where you can kind of fudge a little bit of numbers-wise. Because most likely if you got a five-year contract or a four-year contract, with an option, they never see that money. You know, you're not going to see it. Uh, you, you know, something's going to happen that you know that, that you know they're going to get rid of uh, that type player making that type money at that position mm -hmm. today. It, it's just not the spot where you're seeing a lot of money being thrown around and where you can get backs in the second and third rounds of the draft. So, uh, Matt, just to answer your question. I think more so the Derrick Henry contract, which I think may happen because there's a July 15th deadline date uh, to that, that that may affect Camara more so than the Dalvin Cook contract. Okay. Let me play devil's advocate, Mike. What if the Saints decided, okay, we don't think you're worth $13 million a year. We'll let you play out the final year of your deal. We'll franchise you twice. And never pay him thirteen million, and you have Camara for six years, and then after that, what happens happens. 
Matt, it is the option, and, and certainly <clears throat> we've heard you know Kirk Cousins talk about play that franchise tag. Uh, I'm not sure how well that goes over with Camara sure. uh, on that part. And, and this has just been my feeling. And having watched a lot of the contracts Mickey has done in the past, the contracts that they've had issues with, there's been some public comment about it. Uh, even a few years back with Drew, uh, that, that was a lot kind of ping-ponged both ways uh, with Breeze and the Saints. Have you heard one thing about that contract come out of anyone's mouth with the Saints or Alvin? No. That tells me that they're closer to a deal than what we might know. Okay. The, the, the Saints work, you know, I, I think they do a really good job. And Mickey does a great job with this, um, along with Kai Harley, to work out a deal kind of behind the scenes where there's not a lot of talk and not a lot of banter where you can get into, well, I deserve this, and I'm going to offer you that. But we saw a little bit of that, certainly with Breeze. We, we saw it uh, in, in some of the contract deals that he's done. But in, Michael Thomas last year, it came like a lightning bolt. You know, it sure. was kind of out of left field. He got that contract. You didn't hear a lot about it before, and then all of a sudden it happens. And I've always felt that when you don't hear anything from them and there is not a lot of talk, that means progress is getting made. And I think that uh, I've always felt that they would do a long-term deal with Kamara before training camp starts. Okay. I I just think Sean feels he's that valuable to the offense as a runner and a receiver. And he causes a nightmare uh, one-on-one downfield as, as, as a receiver. And Is he going to carry the football like McCaffrey and Henry? No. But he'll catch a lot more passes than Derek will. And he won't do it like what McCaffrey does. But I, I, that's kind of the high moment uh, mark with it. And you, the thing with Cook is his injuries. That, that, that's the thing that I would have. A, a little bit of take back with it. Dalvin's been nicked up quite a bit. And and so I'd have some concerns. We saw uh, last year with Alvin, you know, play, try to play through the injuries that he had last year. Yep. Dalvin's had some missed time. You go, go back in <laughs> and just do a little bit of research and see where he's missed time and considerable time uh, in the National Football League. So I, I do think Derrick Henry's contract is the one you probably are waiting on. Because that, I think you can measure it up to that. Mike, from the pros, I want to go to the preps when we come back. Uh, Louisiana seemingly having a quarterback renaissance. What's behind that? We're going to get Mike these thoughts on that. Glad to have Mike Dettelier with us, presented by Sazerac Rye, every Thursday here for Hour 2 for the full hour, talking football. We'll get to your questions about half an hour from right now. Stay with us on AFR. AFR. Let me take 60 seconds, remind you about Ichiban. If you need dinner plans tonight, what else are you going to do? Voted by you, the best sushi and best hibachi in the best of 225 awards. Find your favorite specialty roll. How about the Popeye roll? It's fresh salmon, snow crab, and avocado wrapped with baby spinach, hence Popeye, rice and rice paper topped with a jalapeno sauce and a sweet chili sauce so you get the spicy and the sweet. It is decadent. It is the Popeye roll. It is at Ichiban. S in near Perkins, Airline Highway in Gonzales, 
both dine-in and carry-out are still available right now. And if you don't feel like going in, both locations have patio dining as well. Gorgeous weather today. Are you kidding me? High of 86. It was 66 this morning. Gorgeous time to get on by and enjoy maybe this beautiful weather for some patio dining at Ichiban. near Perkins, Airline Highway in Gonzales. Make tonight an Ichiban night. After further review with Matt Moscona, presented by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, and online at theantiagingclinics.com, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. Our weekly talk with Mike Detillier is brought to you by the one and only New Orleans original, Cesarac Rye Whiskey. All right, we roll along with Mike D here on a Thursday edition of AFR. Get your Sazerac, y'all. Appreciate them sponsoring our hour with Mike Dettelier. Most awarded rye whiskey, and it is versatile. Rocks, neat, sipping a cocktail, old-fashioned Manhattan, or the world-famous Sazerac. Check it out, Sazerac Rye. Wherever you buy your spirits, you'll find Sazerac Rye. Uh, Mike Dettelier is with us. You'll find him here every Thursday in hour two. Mike D, uh, earlier this week, we were talking about Eli Holstein getting an offer for the 2023 class. You and I have talked about Arch Manning, of course, in that class as well. And then Walker Howard, Jamie's son, is prepared to make his announcement tomorrow for the class of 2022. Like, all of a sudden, we blinked, and Louisiana's producing great quarterback talent in high school. Do you have any explanation as to why this is all of a sudden, this renaissance has happened? Same thing as receivers. Seven-on-sevens changed the world. You can practice it eight, nine months of the year. Uh, You have a younger group of coaches now that teach it and coach it. Um, I told this to Peyton Manning a year ago of, you know, he had the idea to Manning camp. A lot of people think it's Archie, but it's not. It's Peyton. Uh, Peyton was the one who came up with it because, you know, he would look at the, you know, the Picayune on a Saturday morning and some teams getting beat 56 to 13 and they threw six passes. <laughs> and he was like, something's got to be done. We, we got to be able to work this. And, and so I, I think certainly, Long before 7-on-7, Peyton Manning came up with the idea, and and Archie sort of ran with it, uh, to do these camps, and now it's it's all over. And the 7-on-7 now has taken over. You're getting quarterbacks today that are much more advanced in their development of throwing the football. The crazy thing is, okay, I grew up in a little bit different era than you, but I can remember, okay, in the 70s, watching quarterback Terry Bradshaw was a Louisiana high school quarterback. Mm-hmm. James Shaq Harris playing in the NFL from Grambling. He was an NFL quarterback. Joe Ferguson, even though he went to Arkansas, was a Louisiana guy. Uh, Burt Jones, Doug Williams, uh, Bobby Jay, mm-hmm. uh, John Forque, Norris Weiss, uh, David Woodley. All, all those guys played in the NFL. And now all of a sudden you're starting to see it again where I do think we went through a stage where the Pickens was sort of slim unless, you know, your last name was Manning. And and so we went through that sort of deal in Louisiana. And a lot of it was I, I think coaches sort of had a, a a system of running the football. Now today it's, it's, it's different. Uh, everybody's sort of running their version of the spread. And I think you're getting a better grade 
uh, advancement of a quarterback that has thrown the football because of the advent on seven on seven. I think Mike, it, Mike, it I'm is. Sorry, let me interrupt. Go back to the seventies, though. Like I, before you go, why why was it different in the seventies, and then what happened to, to transition out of that era? Well, because I think back then, if you look at the teams that were successful in the NFL uh, in the fifties, a, a lot of it had to do with you looked out west. And Bob Waterfield and Norm Van Brocklin. Now, man, I'm throwing it out, man. You know, that's man, that's I, okay. I can remember, yeah. man, I can remember my dad talking about, you know, Bob Waterfield and, and Van Brocklin out with the Rams throwing the football, and Otto Graham because mm-hmm. for my dad of a certain era, man, ain't nobody better than Otto Graham. <laughs> nobody was better than Automatic Otto. And, and listen, he had a point for his time. And listen, Otto was at a different world, and and there was a lot of throwing the football. Back then in the 50s and 60s. So what happened late in the 60s? Dow Royal and Emery Ballard with the wishbone. It changed it. You had success running the football mm-hmm. with at Alabama, at Oklahoma, at University of Texas, USC, student body right. <laughs> All those great backs that came out of, of that particular era from that. And I, I think it sort of killed the passing game a little bit where it was much more run-oriented. And now, all of a sudden now, I, I do think 7-on-7, seven seven, which developed out west in the California Pacific region and in the Texas region, has sort of changed the world again. But, you know, if you look at the ages, you know, of those guys that, you know, I just kind of off the top of my head, they all sort of in a – eight to 10 year range Mm -hmm. where a lot of coaches, you know, first maybe got that idea, man, you, you know, you're watching it on TV and you might see what the Rams are doing or what the Browns are doing and Johnny Unitas, you know, and the Colts throwing the ball and YA Tittle throwing the football with the giants, Uh, you know, and, and look at the position Frank Gifford started. Okay. People of a certain age, you know, oh, I remember Frank Gifford. He was on uh, Monday, Monday Night, Night Football. Football. That's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's my point of reference, Mike. Okay, and so, you know, I didn't watch Frank Gifford play, you know, with the Giants, but, man, I heard all about him, about, you know, he was sort of this hybrid running back wide receiver. What do we have today? A lot of it exactly the same uh, sort of thing, you know, because – uh, you know, I have an uncle of mine who used to always say this, man, Paul Horning in today's world, a healthy one, mm-hmm. how good of a player Paul Horning would have, would be. Because he'd really be a perfect fit for, for today's NFL. He was a former quarterback that could catch the ball. He could kick the ball. He was a really good running back, you know, and, and him and Jimmy uh, certainly were a great team uh, out with the Packers. But, Matt, I think, I think a little bit was is what's happening in the professional ranks, a lot of people were trying to duplicate. And then I think the wishbone, running the football, sort of changed that, that point uh, for a while. And, and they had success with it. Look at the SEC, great example. Um, if it's Coach McClendon uh, after Paul Dietzel, uh, you know, Burt Jones was a part-time starter until his senior year. Mm-hmm. Burt Jones. Yeah. Talking about, you know, uh, nothing against Lions, but again, you understand that we're talking about Bird Jones here. 
that, you know, you had it in your head a certain way that was going to win. Didn't it carry into the 80s? And who changed it? Steve Spurrier. Hmm. Okay. In the SEC. Didn't he change it? Sure. Fun and gun. Man, spread them out. Throw the football all over the place. He changed that this conference as much as Bryant did. He, he changed it in, a, in that style like Bryant did when he went to the wishbone uh, in the late 60s because, you know, they had a great run at Alabama, and then the team sort of caught up to him. So what did he do? He duplicated what was winning at Texas. He goes watch Dow Royal practice, and he put in the wishbone. Hmm. And they, they had that run in the 70s, that unprecedented, and what they were able to do. And so I do think that there's carryover. What success is happening at the professional and the college level, coaches at the high school are going to repeat it. Why wouldn't you? That's what you see. That's yeah. where you're from. And how things change in the SEC once Spurrier hit down? The success of Florida. Yeah. And you know what? And he rubbed your nose in it. Almost like, you know, if you got a dog – that kind of wee-wees on the, on the ground, you know, in, in your house. <laughs> you teach him a little lesson, you know, and, <laughs> so to speak. You know, he, he didn't just beat you. He sort of rubbed your nose in it a little bit. Yeah. And so he for did. you to compete against Spurrier, you better throw it. You better be able to because you were going to have a difficult time. And I don't think Urban Meyer gets enough credit for what he did, not just – in a short time, but kind of college football-wise, and what he put in that spread offense, when he put it in at Utah, and then the great success he had at Florida, and what he we had at Ohio State, hasn't everybody sort of duplicated what Urban Meyer did? Yeah, they're they're duplicating that. So, so guess what? A high school coach, I'm watching it. I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to do what he. I'm going to do what they're doing. And so that's why I think you're starting to see it. But I do think while Meyer and Spurrier kind of started this now, I think it was too in part for a lot of college coaches a way to compete against the big boys that they hadn't before. That, man, you know, if I can recruit a really good quarterback and a couple of receivers and I can get guys to protect them, man, I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to win a lot of games uh, out there. And I can be competitive. Uh, in that spot. Uh, this isn't Lavelle Edwards and Brigham Young, you know, and so I, I do think that you're starting to see the after effects of seven on seven and what it is doing to not only the college game today and that you're getting a better group and a more polished group of wide receivers and quarterbacks today. It's also affecting the high school level of recruits coming out. Those guys are used to throwing the football. They're used to making a read. Uh, you know, I talked to Bobby about it. He was like, Mike, you know, our deal in the huddle was like we had three passing plays. You know, I wasn't reading nothing. I was just throwing <laughs> it to the guy. You know, okay, we're talking about this is like ancient history, but we're talking about 1977. So, you know, uh, it may be ancient history to some, but you know, again, it goes to show the sophistication of the high school game today is showing up. Because you're getting that type of player, and he's got so much experience. And I've thrown these numbers out. I haven't done it for this year yet, but in the four years prior to the 2020 class, Louisiana had produced 45 Division I 
wide receivers. Okay, I'm going to let those guys just hang out? Come on, no, I've got to get him the ball. Yeah. So, so <laughs> now you're starting to see the after effects of it. And look at the look at the in this class of 2021. Matt, what jumps out at you about the class of 2021? In Louisiana? In Louisiana. Receivers. Receivers. Man, they got them. Kid from uh, Walker, kid know, from Zachary, yeah. I mean, you know, Paxton, out of Edna Carr. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all these receivers, that, and you've got every college in the world recruiting down here in Louisiana. Come on, I'm not the only one that knows that number. They know it, too. Uh, and the amount of receivers that the state of Louisiana produces. And so if I've got those receivers, now i got to get a guy that can get the ball to them. Makes sense. Is, Mike, we're short on time here in this segment, but I, but could you give me a thumbnail on on Walker Howard and on, on Eli Holstein, what, what you know about each of them? I've seen Walker more than Eli. Okay. Uh, hey, kid's a Walker. freshman. <laughs> it's hard to see, yeah. Yeah, uh, Walker is a guy, compact delivery. Nice over the top. It's quick. It's fast. Uh, he gets the ball out real, real quick. And it, he's not uh, – use the right term here. He's not judgmental on a throw. And what I mean by that is he doesn't overthink it. I think a lot of times um, when I watch a quarterback who struggles, it's almost like a yo-yo. Like – like he wants to throw it, want to throw it, want to throw it. And it's almost like, you know, when he throws it, it's almost like he would want to pull that thing back. And you watch Howard throw the football, man, <laughs> they ain't, there's no judgment, judgmental about it. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball, which is a great trade for him. And he's got good footwork. Uh, you know, he sets up fast. Uh, he throws the ball on balance. And he's got some skills. And he's going to physically get stronger. I think that's the part about – high school quarterbacks that when we see them, okay, everybody made a big thing about Arch Manning, okay? He was 170 pounds, now he's 190 pounds. Okay, look his age. Isn't he at the age of the growth spurt? So, yeah, he's going to put that weight on him, and he's physically going to get stronger. Just look at his two uncles and his his grandfather. (laughs) It don't take, you know, come on. It don't take much to figure that one out. He's going to grow into a man mm-hmm. uh, throwing that football. And, and Howard will, too. He, he is a really good prospect. It, he's an, uh, a guy that uh, understands the game very well. And you can see it by the way he throws the football. He does not have a lot of what I call hesitation in his throw. Quick thought on Holstein if, for what you've seen of him. From what I've seen of him, he's a skinny drink of water. He can sling it now. Now the ball comes out a little bit differently. Uh, but you know what? That I would never break that. that that's just how he's going to throw the ball. It, it, sometimes it's not directly over the top. Sometimes it's a little bit three-quarters or half. But, boy, he's, he's accurate. He knows where to go with the football. He's very decisive on his throws. And he's got some movement skills. Uh, that can buy him a little bit of time uh, outside the pocket range. Uh, I would love to watch him develop as a player because, you know, we're talking about kind of a real quick look at, at yeah. Holstein at this point. But real quickly, it's not always pitcher perfect, but he gets it done. Man, listen, uh, it don't matter to me how you do it as long as you do it. 
You know, it's like, uh, okay, there's different ways to do a math program, okay? I've learned that long ago. There's different ways to do it. And if it suits you and it's correct, I'm not breaking you of how to do it, okay, if you can kind of shorten a step. It's the same way with throwing a football. If you know how to throw it and it comes out a little bit differently, you would never teach somebody how to throw the football like Brett Favre. That, that yeah. ball came out as funky as you could possibly imagine. You know, and, and his dad, who worked with us, must say seven years on, uh, on our Monday night show, he was like, I didn't teach him a damn thing. He just went out there and slung it. <laughs> and people was like, well, why, would, why didn't you throw the football like that in high school? And he was like, because nobody's going to catch it. Brett, was, Brett had so much mustard on that right. ball. He's like, man, them receivers, they were like bracing, you know, uh, for that shot. Um, he, he was, he used to always term it. It was like the Oswald shot. You know, you see that famous picture with, you know, Oswald gets shot, mm. you know, and he's bracing back. And, and that's what, uh, that's oh. what Mr. F- that's what Herb used to say. Everybody was like, yeah, you know, it was, you know, they were bracing for that ball to hit him. So he said, you know, a 16, 17 year old kid bracing for the way Brett threw the football, you know, he was like a, a coat in the field. You, you had to kind of break him a little bit that he couldn't throw every pass like it was coming out of, uh, you know, a cannon. Mike D's with us, saintsreport.com, mikedetillier.com, of course, a part of the SI network as well at Saints, uh, the Saints uh, News at SI. Uh, let me not get a quick break, Mike. Chats with Mike are brought to you by Sazerac Rye, the most awarded rye whiskey ever. Pick it up today. We're not going a break. We'll come back. Looks like we're going to have a six-week ramp up to college football. Is that enough? Talk about it next with Mike. AFR. Hey, remember our friends over at Clegg's Nursery. Buy local, shop local at Clegg's Nursery. Four locations in the greater Baton Rouge area. It's that time of year. The weather's nice. People are getting outside again. You're barbecuing. You're getting in the pool. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your outdoor time this spring and summer. Get by Clegg's Nursery. Pick up the Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. It's easy. You pop the top off. You fill it with water. You hang it on your property line. You're done with mosquitoes for 90 days. They've also got the Spartan Mosquito ProTech, which has a quicker knockdown period, just 30 days. So in tandem, both of them would be awesome. Spartan Mosquito ProTech and Spartan Mosquito Eradicator available at Clegg's Nursery. Clegg's has full greenhouses, plants, flowers, trees, shrubs, seeds. They got it all for you. They got mulch, they've got soil, all of it, and they're partner with True Value Hardware Store. It's Clegg's Nursery. Buy local, shop local at Clegg's Nursery. After further review with Matt Muscona. Presented by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, and online at theantiagingclinics.com. ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. Our weekly talk with Mike Dettelier is brought to you by the one and only New Orleans original, Cesarac Rye Whiskey. Rolling along with Mike D, your questions less than 15 minutes from right now. You can start to get them in. Tweet us, email us, jump in the huddle, or our Facebook Live is open as well at the 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge Facebook page. All right, Mike D, we learned uh, college football is looking at about a six-week ramp-up period to get things back on track. What do you think, Mike? Is that enough how they're going to position this? 
Well, I don't know about enough, but that's what you're going to have. And, nobody, <laughs> and nobody's got an advantage. Everybody's True. in the same sort of boat uh, at that stage. So, Matt, it is what it is. Um, will it have some maybe uneven play early? Probably so. I mean, you know, just uh, football's not a switch. You can't turn it on and off like your electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to work with it and the timing part of that. And not just quarterback and receiver, but also offensive line play, uh, the defensive calls and, and where you have to line up. And, and that's where, Matt, I think teams with great leadership uh, are going to excel. That to have people that can tell uh, younger players what they have to do on every play, not, not 50% of the time or 70% of the time, 100% of the time, what they have to do. Because I think early on with the limited amount of practice, you're going to see more mis- big mistakes, and they're going to try to go after it. And I, I would, wouldn't you? Okay, if I had a great pitch and catch combination, I, I, I'm not trying to get you somewhere. I'm not going to throw the football where you're going to make a mistake in coverage. I, I'm going after you, and I'm going to jump on you like a bad cat. Uh, and and, and see how well you handle it. I'm going to jump on you and see how well you can do with it. So I I do think you're going to see that early on with some teams struggling with the mental part of the game when you have a lot of changeover in certain spots. But I think, man, the the leaders, uh, that's what I think now the coaches are going to have to rely on because you're not on the field with them. They have to make those calls. They have to make those adjustments and those quick reads uh, as a quarterback. So I, I do think you're going to probably see a little bit more. But I think, you know, once you get out of the first couple games, man, you're back in the groove. Uh, but maybe early there's going to be some misjointment here. And, and, and you would understand that with, with basically no spring and a limited amount of what you can do in the fall. Like what about in the NFL? Looks like the preseason is going to be shortened from four yep. to two games. Now I know you're lying, Mike. Practices for the unskilled. Yep. But that's also a spot in those preseason games where some guys are in roster spots, right? So how do you balance that in the preseason with move, moving from four to two games? Well, one of the things that puts a lot of pressure again on the head coach. Okay, you have a limited amount of time to judge him in a game. You, you are going to get practice. But I say this every year, and it happens. There's a player that looks great in practice. You put him in a game, and he wets the diaper. <laughs> I mean, you know, yep. he's not used to playing in front of 65,000, 70,000 people. He's not used to understanding that he's trying to make a roster spot because he's got a scholarship, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so there's a little bit of pressure on that young player. And I think more than anything you hear from coaches in this league, evaluation is going to be paramount because there are that. And we saw that last year. Uh, Emmanuel Butler looked great in practice. I was waiting uh, for it, Mike. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> I thought you were going to no, say it after I, the wet the diaper. You know, he, he really looked great in practice. Yeah. And to see number nine run down there after he makes a, like a one-handed catch, and the coverage is right there, and he makes a one-handed catch, and, and Breeze runs down there and patting him on the back, hitting him. And, you know, I've seen it a few times happen, but that's not normally what you see a quarterback's reaction to a play like that. And then he gets in a game, and he struggled with his confidence 
Uh, just again, it's the Allen Iverson line. Okay, uh, practice is practice, and the games are games. And I, well, I think Emmanuel's got a chance to be a good player in the NFL. He struggled with that in the preseason, and that's why little Jordan Humphrey made the team, mm-hmm. and he became a developmental player. Uh, so uh, that's going to be the tough evaluation for the head coach uh, and, and what you go off of. And then how do you play your veterans in two games? Okay, you don't want to get them hurt. You know, you're getting paid to win regular season games. Preseason, eh, you do what you got to do. Uh, so I, I want to see how coaches handle it, which looks like it's going to happen. They'll cut it from four to two. How do you play your veterans to get them ready for the regular season? How, how are you going to do that part? Would you play him at all, Mike? I, 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 I'm not sure I'd put a veteran player out there. I, at least not ones that you're certainly going to count on. I think you're going to have to play him again. And again, I go back to it. Um, you know, it's not a switch. Yeah. And I, I do think the Saints, oh, I think Saints, Kansas City, um, teams with uh, Seattle, not a lot of movement of players and coaches have a, a bit of an advantage here in that, you know, you sort of used to the same guy. You sort of know what he can do and, and what he can't do well. I think have a bit of an advantage early on. It, it's going to be the, the young coaches or coaches just coming into the league or our team in major transition. That That's going to take a little while. And, and we see it every year. Early on, the offense has an advantage. I think it just takes a little while for defenses to come around. And that used to not be the case, but I think today in the way they practice and you go out to the practice field, when they're in pads once every four days, Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on, that's difficult to get that down and taking the right angle and physically, because it is a physical game. It is a brutal game. To, to understand that part gets out. Now, come October, mid-October and on, those games get jammed up a little bit, you know. It, you know, it's it's a much more of a 20s game <laughs> than, say, in September where you got a lot of 30s game and 40s game because I think the today the pitch-and-catch game has an, a bit of an advantage early, and I think it'll have an advantage again. Okay. I, but I'm, I'm really interested in how the – head coaches will handle if there's two preseason games because I know who's going to make I know for the most part you know if it's a 53 55 man roster I know probably 45 guys Saints it may be even higher than that but there's always going to be eight or ten that you can go either way you know because it's become a numbers game do I keep an extra defensive tackle or do I keep an extra safety uh, I got a guy who's great on special teams, but he's maybe not the best cover guy in the world. Do I keep him? Uh, I think about two years ago, JT Gray making this football team. JT didn't make it because of his cover skills. He made it because he was a fantastic special teams guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about Josh and Josh Hill, and he he's told me more than once that a big part of him making this roster was he was a good special teams player, and he was playing on all the special teams. That sort of tells you, you know, hey, you're going to make it. When you're playing on all of them, you're going to make it. That's where, Matt, I think is going to be the tough evaluation because there are 8 of 10 every year that could kind of sway one way or another depending on injuries, 
and depending on how you want to keep roster sizes uh, and, and where you want to keep them, because those are the toughest cuts. You know, th- those last few cuts are, are, are really difficult. And I think probably what you said is going to happen. You're going to see very little of the veterans and a lot of the younger players. And a lot of those guys that are in that, you know, that 10, 12, 15, those final guys trying to make the roster and how they fit and how they handle playing in the NFL. This ain't college football. It's not the arena league. It's the NFL. How well you handle that, not only mentally, but handling some of the distractions of playing in a bigger stadium and everything that goes along with it. He's Mike Dettelier. We got one segment to go. You know the drill. Your questions for Mike D. Fire away. Tweet us at Matt Moscona at 104.5 ESPN. Jump in the Bayou Ford Huddle. Email me. Jump in our Facebook Live. Lots of ways. Your questions for Mike next. AFR. Brought to you by Insurance Network of Louisiana. Got this testimonial. An AFR listener named Jared. They wrapped him up yesterday. Had been with Farm Bureau for about 10 years. Pretty underinsured didn't even understand or know that he was that underinsured. They were able to explain to him his coverage gap, and they filled it. Wrote Jared's home and auto, increased his coverage by $150,000 annually, and saved him $750. Got better coverage for less money. Insurance Network of Louisiana. And the best part about this, it is free. You don't pay Insurance Network of Louisiana anything. They get paid from the insurance companies when you switch. And you only switch if you get better coverage for less money. It's a win, 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 win. 293-0450, 293-0450, or lainsurance.net. It's Insurance Network of Louisiana. After further review with Matt Moscona, presented by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, and online at theantiagingclinics.com, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria. Our weekly talk with Mike Dettelier is brought to you by the one and only New Orleans original, Cesarac Rye Whiskey. All right, wrapping up hour number two. Mike D is with us. You know the drill. Your questions. Let's get right to it. We'll start with Glenn on Twitter. Ask Mike your opinion on which uh, uh, which draft choice or undrafted rookie free agent makes the biggest impact for the Saints this year. I'm going to take a shot with Adam Troutman, the it, tight end. And there was a uh, interesting comments made by Dan Campbell this week about Troutman. Uh, be very, very pleased if he lives up to the, the Gronk Kittle expectation. Here's Man, what, all, yeah. all I know is, Matt, everybody you have talked to, uh, if it's his former high school coach, his college coach, watching him at the Senior Bowl, is that you have got someone here that gets it. I mean, he really does. Gives you great effort. And in an offense that likes to get the football to the tight end and and, and is used to using multiple tight ends mm-hmm. uh, in that offense. So, uh, well, I, I was going to say Zach Bowen at first because I think Zach will certainly mm. help, especially in the pass rush part of the game. Uh, I think that's where he excels right now is being up the field. 
Uh, and I think he'll need a little bit of work in the coverage part of the game. Uh, man, Troutman in this offense, I think it make a pretty quick impact. Mark as far as a rookie's concerned. Sorry, Mike. Uh, Mark Shelton asks, heading into camp, should the Saints add a veteran defensive back or linebacker? I would say I've, I've been you know, beating the drum. I think cornerback. You never have enough uh, of those type players. You never have enough cover people. And, and I, it would be something that I would want to add. Now, again, <laughs> finances come involved. And would those players want at this stage, and many of them want way more than any team is willing to pay. Uh, at this spot. So cornerback is, is the one spot I would want to add because I just think you don't know about Patrick Robinson and, and with his injuries, age, and I would want as many cover guys as I can get. Ask Mike, do you think LSU has a chance to sign Arch Manning? I think they have a chance. I, I wouldn't put him <laughs> as the favorite. Right. I, I, I certainly not put him as the favorite there, but uh, it's he, and I've said I've told you this before, and he got picked up all over. I think he's going to end up being the most highly recruited football player ever from the state of Louisiana. Who would that? All, who would have that designation now? Oh, Fournette. Okay, Leonard. Man, you know when he came out, Matt. I, I bet I guarantee you there wasn't a school in America that wasn't after. Okay, and, and I think the same thing will happen with Arch. Uh, that he is going to be that type of player. And uh, so it'll be interesting with him, uh, and he's been around it, understanding the programs in college football, which ones have had one quarterback after another after another. My thing is keep an eye on Clemson. Okay. I'm just telling you, that that program, when you think about what they have been able to, to get, and, you know, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, that's a pretty good but, tandem right, keep, right there. Keep, keep him out of the SEC. He's Mike Dettelier, SaintsReport.com, MikeDettelier.com, part of the Saints News Network at SI, and with us every Thursday, courtesy of Sazerac Rye. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, brother. All the best. We'll talk next week. Hour three, next. AFR. Brought to you by Shabills Tire and Auto Service, ShabillsTire.com, 18 locations in South Louisiana. Find the location nearest you at shabillstire.com. You know you might be an AFR fan when I got this tweet from Mark Lacey. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't tweet uh, Twitter. It was Facebook, and it's just a picture of a sh- of a sign. It's a Shabills coming soon sign in Zachary. So y'all are on the lookout, not just at the current locations, but even the ones that are to come. But I tell you what, uh, Shabills—they've been treating you like family. For a half a century. Shabillstire.com. You find the location nearest you at Shabillstire.com. There's 18 locations in South Louisiana. If you need bumper to bumper auto service or name brand tires at wholesale prices, it's Shabills. Tires cheaper than the membership clubs, the box stores, and the other tire stores as well. Since 1968, it's Shabills. Find the location nearest you at Shabillstire.com. Shabills, we keep you rolling.